0: Good morning and welcome to our morning service. It's good to have you here with us this morning. Good to have the folks on Zoom as well. As we remember the work here and God's faithfulness in the past and look ahead to God's faithfulness uh, in the days to come. Uh, We do welcome Pastor Osmond Jerome with us this morning uh, and his wife Christina is in the back and the children uh, Theo the oldest there, and there's uh, Alex, Emma, and Eden, so we're glad that they were able to join uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor Jerome with us as well. From the uh, Christy Baptist Church in Toronto, they live in Ajax, and uh, he is also a professor at uh, TBS, Toronto Baptist Seminary, so we are privileged to have them this morning with us. We're going to ask Pastor Jerome if we would come now to read the scripture and to lead us in prayer, if you would. Good
1: morning, everyone. It's a joy and privilege to be here and to, uh, to read the, the Word of God and to share the Word of God with you later on. Um, while we were watching the video, I saw a little girl with a T-shirt that says, Dominica, West Indies. <laughs> um, I'm from Dominica, West Indies, so... Yes, my island was represented in the history of your church That's awesome And the church I'm from, in Christie Street Baptist Church We have a slogan that says, when we meet, we eat So, That's good. <laughs> so I'm happy to be here I'll Definitely share in the meal that you guys will have If you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 27 um, It's number 619 in the Pew Bible So you can also uh, follow along Psalm 27 6:19 in the Pew Bible Amen Psalm 27. 2, 7. This is the word of the Lord, a psalm of David: "The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemy and my foes, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though though, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies around me. Therefore I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said of thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, for neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not unto the, unto thy, unto the will, sorry of mine enemies, for false witnesses have reasoned against me. And such are breathed out cruelty. I have fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this morning. Uh, We thank you for your faithfulness towards this congregation. For keeping the doors open for the last 87 years. Lord, you have been for this congregation an Ebenezer, a stone of help. And up to this point, you have been faithful, Lord. And we pray that you may be faithful to this congregation in the years and decades to come until Christ returns. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for keeping this church. We thank you for providing leaders over the years, Lord. Uh, we uh, pray uh, for many more years of faithfulness. Uh, we pray, uh, dear Heavenly Father, that you may provide as the church has been praying for a pastor, who will lead them, Lord? You say the field is ripe unto harvest. The laborers are few. Pray, the Master of the harvest, to send laborers in His field. And Lord, we come before You uh, in unity to ask You to provide a shepherd for this congregation, a godly man uh, who will lead and who will minister Your word to Your people. Uh, Father, we pray that in this congregation there may be, um, as the name of the church suggests, a Berean spirit, a love for Your word, a diligence in studying Your word that believers, young and old, may rightly handle your word of truth, Lord, and walk in it. We pray, Father, that you may bless each and every member of this congregation, uh, the singles, um, the families, uh, widows, um, young people, um, children, babies. Lord, may your good hands be upon each and every one of, the, of all of us here this morning. I pray, dear Father, that um, you may bring unity, In this church, I pray that uh, you may give good health uh, to those who are sick. Um, I pray that the congregation as a whole may grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, they may sing and minister to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual song and thankfulness in their heart to you. What I pray for, uh, particularly for um, Joanne and Marissa, Lord, I don't know them very well, but you do. I pray for healing and I pray for comfort. I pray for strength. And I pray that your good hands may be upon them. Um, I also pray, Father, for all the churches that are celebrating you in Canada and across the globe. We pray particularly for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted, Lord. Would you strengthen them? them? Would you give them good courage and help them to persevere and run the race that is set before them? Lord, we pray for the ministry of your word this morning as well. May you bless us as we read it. And may you apply it to our hearts and help us to practice it and lord above all we thank you for the lord jesus christ our savior our lord our king who as we saw in sunday school is seated at your right hand who's making intercession for us who's our great high priest the one sacrifice that we need we thank you lord jesus for your sacrifice none of us would be here this morning without christ lord all praise all glory all honor all majesty be unto your holy name in jesus name amen Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people! What have I done to you? How have I worried you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Bala, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. Verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, With ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where people uh, completely dis- disregard who you are or assume they know you be w- without even asking you a question? They just assume that they know you. And they assume many things about you without ever asking you, well, what do you like, what do you, what do you not like? Have you ever been given a gift, someone assume you will love, um, only to find out that they absolutely hate it? Uh, A few years ago, I I assume it was a great idea to give my wife a Fitbit, a watch. Um, Even though I knew she was not a big fan of gadgets, uh, well, she politely told me to take it back. (laughs) Um, The fact is I had forgotten a fundamental thing about my wife. She does not like surprise. And um, she never liked surprise ever since I met her till today. Anything we do, i got to tell her before. Um, she wasn't surprised when I asked her to marry me. She wasn't surprised by the ring that she had on her finger. She designed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, she wasn't surprised by the date. She, that's something that I knew about her. Um, the prophecy of Micah answers an important question about our relationship with God, or Israel's relationship with God, and I believe our relationship with God. What does God want? Micah chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, describes Israel as a people who do not know the Lord, even after having received messengers and prophets from him for thousands of years, from Abraham all the way to Moses and so on and David. They still did not know God. In verse 3, they accused God of wrongdoing. God said, how have I wronged you? Um, From verse 4 to 5, they failed to see the blessings of God. From verse 6 to 7, um, they, God describes them as not know, even knowing how to truly worship Him or the real meaning of worship. And uh, it was interesting that we saw that in Sunday school, so in the Book of Hebrew, uh, that God, the Book of Hebrews, that God does not delight in external ritual without a right heart. It's interesting. Israel did not; uh, they serve God, but they thought they knew everything about God without actually asking God, "What do You want?" The Book of Micah is God telling His people what He wants. I'd like to argue this morning that in this text that we read, God wants two things from his people. Number one, God wants his character to be known. And then number two, God wants his people to serve him. So I'm going to ask you, what does God want? Answer: so God wants his character to be known, and God wants his people to serve him. Number one, then, God wants his character to To be known if i give you if i gave you this morning a paper and pencil and you probably have that you're taking notes how much do you think you'll be able to write about the triune god how much will be able to say that you know god would it cover the page will you need more page or would it be a few paragraphs about god how much do you know the creator of uh, the universe The book of Micah obviously does not tell us everything we need to know about God. But if you read through the book, you will come across several assertions about God's nature and character. Let me mention three in relation to our text. God wants his character to be known. And in the book of Micah, God presents himself as the only God. God presents himself to the children of Israel and to the world as the only God. And you get that from the very name of the book, Micah. Micah means who is like the Lord our God? That's the translation of the word. Imagine Israel living in idolatry, walking in idolatry, and here's this prophet. Every time you call his name, hey, is there anyone like our God? Who is like our God? This is how you call Micah. And it's a rhetorical question that not, does not require an answer. It means no one is like our God. God wants us to know that there is no other God beside him. God also wants his children to know that he alone is righteous. In verse 5, he says, I did all the miracles that I did, whether it's in Egypt, delivering you so that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. God wants us to know that he's a just and righteous God. He's holy. He's perfect. Everything he does is right. God wants to know, wants us to know that he's a righteous God. But also in the book of Micah, although the book of Micah, Micah contains many evidence of God coming to judge his people, God also wants his people to know that he alone can forgive. God alone can forgive. He is incomparable in his steadfast love and forgiveness. Micah chapter 7, verse 18 to 20, which is a glorious passage about God, it speaks of God delighting in forgiveness. Who and again you have this word, Micah, who is a God like you? Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us, he will tread our iniquity underfoot, he will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Do you imagine serving a God who delighting in judging us and condemning us and punishing us? At every waking hour, every mistake we make, God wants to punish. None of us would be here this morning.
0: <laughs>
1: I wouldn't be on the pulpit. The Bible says if God would mark iniquity, who would stand? But with you, but with God, there is forgiveness that your name may be feared. We often think of God as this judging guy who, who just wants to punish the world. That's not the picture that we have in scripture. The picture presents a God who is constantly trying to forgive his people. Who's constantly inviting his people into his presence. Come, come, let us reason together, saith of the Lord. Do your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Do they be red like crimson, they, be, they, may, they will be as wool. In the New Testament, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We serve a God who delights in forgiveness. He wants to forgive us. And you hear this morning, you think that God doesn't want to forgive you. He only wants to judge you and condemn you and and hurt you. No, God wants to forgive you. All you have to do is go come into his presence and say, I'm sorry. And we'll have his arms wide open. To forgive you god wants his people to know that he wants to forgive even in judgment god wants us to come to him the bones that you have crushed said david will rejoice that god sometimes puts us through very difficult times not because he wants us to suffer but because in our suffering he wants to draw us to him he is a god who delights in forgiveness and that is why he sent his only begotten son to die for our sins He wouldn't have if he did not delight in forgiveness. God wants his people to know that he loves to forgive. What does God want? God wants us to know him. And he gives us a clue all over creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. What can be known about him is plain. God has also revealed himself in scripture. I like the name of the church, by the way. (laughs) A Berean spirit, I just love it. I'm going through the book of Acts, and I, I, I spoke on the Berean church who eagerly wanted the word god has revealed himself to us in scripture god wants us to know him god wants us to know that he's righteous and god wants us to know that he delights in forgiveness and to know god and to know his son is eternal life now this christ says is eternal life that they know you the only true god and jesus christ whom you have sent And once we get to know God, our conclusion will be the same as Micah. Once you study God in nature, in scripture, in your own life, you will conclude as Micah, who is like unto the Lord our God? And the answer is simply, no one. There is no one in this whole universe that is like God. Number two, God wants his people to love him and serve him. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Micah 6 verse 8 is one of the most familiar passages in Micah. Most people don't know Micah, the book of Micah, but they know Micah 6 8. If you've never read Micah, you might have heard it. I um, have to memorize it as a child for Sunday school. Uh, you might have heard it in sermon. You might have heard it in music. Um, some commentators call, call it one of the greatest summary of true religion. There's another writer who says, Micah 6:8 is the finest sor- summary of the content of practical religion found in the Old Testament. Some connect Micah 6:8 to, um, to the great um, teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ: "To love your God, Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." That's how popular that verse is. And the, the verse that starts by making a, by stating something about God. That God's requirements are good. He has told you, man, what is good. We might not always see the good in what God is asking us to do. God's requirements might be hard, but they are always good. Whatever God ordains is a writer who says that whatever God ordains is right. And I would add to it, whatever God ordains is good. Romans chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God's will is good. Whatever God asks us to do, it is good. You might not feel it, but we need to know That God's requirements are good. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Micah 6, verse 8, summarize God's requirement under three headings. God wants us to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before him. To do justice is to do what is right. And to do what is acceptable in the sight of God. Um, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 3 says, To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And again, that goes very well with our Sunday school class. God delights in obedience, not sacrifice. To do what is right and just is acceptable more than a thousand bulls. David says that. If you desire sacrifice, I would have given it to you. That's not what you want. You want obedience. It means to do what is right and to right what is wrong. It means to live a life that is, that is pleasing unto the Lord. It means to show integrity and honesty in everything that we do. It means not taking advantage of others and treating everyone fairly at work, at school, at home, in our relationship, even in leadership. Psalm 15 gives us a fuller picture of what God requires in terms of justice. Who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose work is blameless who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, whose tongue order no slander, who does no wrong to his neighbor, who casts no slur on another, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts and does not change his mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept the bride against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. God wants us to do what is just and right. Number two, God wants us to love mercy. Because God loves mercy. God loves to forgive. God wants us to love steadfast love. I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God rather than burnt offering. What does it mean to love steadfast love? It means to be like God, because God delights in steadfast love. It means to forgive. It means to welcome sinners. It means to avoid a certain legalism, legalism, sorry, devoid of grace. It means to be merciful and to forgive others as we have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. We serve a just God, as I said earlier. If God had to give us what we deserve, none of us would be here. The reason why we live and breathe and eat is because God has been merciful to us. He's a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And he wants us to do the same thing. You have obtained mercy. Please show mercy to others. God wants us to delight in forgiveness and steadfast love. God delights in forgiving. So should we. God covers most of our sins. And so should we. God wants us to delight in steadfast love. Do justice, love mercy, and then thirdly, walk humbly before your God. Humility is usually defined as a lack of arrogance. Um, it comes from a mod- having a modest view of ourselves. Um, James chapter 4, um, verse 8 to 10, speaks about humility. It says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinner, and purify your heart, you double minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourself before the Lord. And he will exalt you. Romans chapter 12, again verse 3 says, By the grace given to me, I say to anyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. But if you read the rest of the book of Micah, you would see that humility is not just to, to, to lower ourselves before God. Humility is also the way we see God, is the way we relate to him. To walk humbly before God is to walk according to the Spirit of God. Micah chapter 3 verse 8 says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of God, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Micah did not fulfill his ministry by his own strength. He fulfilled his ministry by the Spirit of God. Humility is serving by the Spirit of God serving by the grace that has been given to us by the Spirit of God, to worship by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to love by the Spirit, to serve by the Spirit. That is a true humility. A humility is also to do everything for the glory and honor of God. God will not give His glory to another. In Micah chapter 4, verse 5, He says, For all the people walk each in the name of His God. But I will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. So Micah compares other people walking according to their own gods. As for me, Micah says, I will walk in the name of the Lord. And the Bible says that everything we do, we should do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we do, we should do it for the glory of God. To walk humbly before God means to also do everything for his own own glory. To humbly walk before the Lord is also to look to him and wait upon him. Put no trust in a neighbor, Micah 7, 7. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the door of your mouth from her who lies in your arm. For the son treats the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemy are the men of his own house. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Humility means also to wait upon the Lord. To wait upon the Lord, not to trust in our own understanding, to understand what He's doing. Um, as a, I'm also the fieldwork director of um, a TBS. So many churches call about pastors, and some churches can become very discouraged that um, God is not sending a leader. Why is He not sending us a leader? Why is He? Why is He? Why is He not doing this? Why? And 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 sometimes we have to remind ourselves that God wants us to wait upon him. Whatever he does is right. And we don't understand. But Micah says, as for me, I will wait upon the Lord. And my encouragement to you this morning as you wait for God to send a laborer is wait upon the Lord. If the promise is delayed, <laughs> do not become discouraged. Wait, I say. Wait upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humbly his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his commandment and testimony. Let me draw a few words of application and then we'll end. Number one, with all the description of true religion that we have seen in Micah, I need to make it clear this morning that we can only know God and serve him through his son. We can only know God and serve Him through His Son. It is not possible for us to do what Micah, what God has described through the mouth of Micah on our own. We need the Lord Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made Him known. If we want to truly know God, we need to go through His Son. If we want to truly serve God, we need to go through His Son. You can do nothing on your own, Jesus said. Only through Him can we do what we do. There is no... This is not a way of salvation. Micah 6, 8 is not a way of salvation. Rather, it is a response to salvation. It is a response to God's redemption. This is exactly what God told Israel. I redeemed you from the land of Egypt so that you might serve me. God redeemed us through his son so that we might serve him. We can't do anything on our own to be saved. There's a writer who says, without, without love... Holiness of heart and righteousness of life, flowing from faith in Christ, all our church goings, forms of prayer and alms giving profit us nothing. Without love, holiness of heart and righteousness of life, flowing from faith in Christ—that's important—flowing from faith in Christ, all our church goings, forms of prayer and alms giving profit us nothing. This passage, brothers and sisters, points us to the cross, where we see God's justice, where He, see, where he sees love. And where we see his mercy. And also his humility. That is the humility of Christ being manifested. This is a passage that speaks of Christ. He is the one who did justice. True justice. He is the one who showed pure mercy. And he's the one who walked humbly before God. The Bible says in Philippians that he humbled himself. And became a servant. And then therefore God highly exalted him. He took our sins so that we might go free. So that we might be able to try and do what Micah 6 is, says. Number two, we cannot do what God wants if we don't know who God is. Just like I couldn't. I made a big mistake by trying to buy a Fitbit for my wife without consulting her. <laughs> <laughs> and well, we do that, right? I, uh, often, you know, you do things, we do things and we hope God will come in line, right? i'm gonna do this god and then you just come in line with what i do or what i say and uh, this is not how it works we need to keep our eyes upon god and his word at all time Um, it is by knowing god that we can better serve him Israel's failure was not um, in their sacrifices but in offering wrong sacrifices to god my people perish god says because they lack what knowledge knowledge of god understanding who god is god is not like the god of the canaanites god cannot be manipulated he has to be trusted he has to be served in faithfulness we cannot know what god wants if we do not know who god is who is like the lord our god no one when jesus taught his disciples to pray he said you should pray your kingdom come your will be done that is asking god what do you want god In our prayer, that is, when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, God, I have many ideas, but your kingdom first, and your will first. Jim says, when we pray, we ought to pray, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Again, recognize that it's what God wants, not what I want. When Jesus was facing the cross, he said, Father, if it's possible, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And what did God want? God wanted his son to die for our sin. That was the will of the Father, and Christ submitting himself to the will of the Father for our sake. I'm sure all of us have many things we want for ourselves, for our families, and for our church. We cannot ask God for these things without first seeking to know his character, and who he is. That is why Paul could say, I want to know him. And by knowing him, we might be in a better position to serve him. Finally, and this is the church anniversary, so I want to end with a few words on the church anniversary. What does God require of our church, the church in general? Well, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly before him. But God also wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants all of you, if you're a Christian this morning, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian this morning, and you ask me, what does God want from me? God wants you to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's what he wants from you right now. Nothing else but that. After that, we'll talk about other things. <laughs> but if you're not a Christian, the only thing that God will tell you until you die, and you I want you to turn to my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's died for your sin. That's what he wants from you now. And if you're a Christian... Growing the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to build one another up in love. God wants us to, uh, um, um, to stir one another up to love and good work. God wants us to let our light shine in this world, in our neighborhood, so that people might see our good work and glorify Him. That's what God wants from His church. God wants us to preach the good news to those who are around us. Go and preach the good news to all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything which I have commanded you. And finally, God wants us to wait for his glorious coming. God wants us to wait for him until he comes again and take us home. And where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, nothing. We will worship him perfectly. We will know him even as we are known by him. We will see his face in all of his glory. As we wait, this building is temporary. Everything is temporary. We're waiting for a kingdom whose builder and maker is God. And as we do that, brothers and sisters, let us wait upon the Lord. Let us wait patiently. And let us grow and grow and grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.